invite you to turn. I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to take one of the, we call it a pew Bible. No, those aren't pews, the chair Bible that should be in front of you, one of the black Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to take one, keep it, put your name in it, use it. And you'll find that around 990, somewhere around in that, Ephesians chapter 5. It's a little bit different kind of sermon this morning as I speak on a cultural topic from God's perspective. And oh, I pray that God would help me. Thank you for your prayers for me and my family. We just got back this, well, I guess it's been a week ago now that we got back from vacation and we were gone for two Sundays. And it is such a blessing to have preachers in this congregation. Pastor Mike and Pastor Jay preached the last two Sundays and just fed you, fed us as a church. It was a blessing to be with my family in Florida where we worshiped two weeks ago at I think it was Cornerstone Presbyterian Church, a little church in Destin, Florida, and then last Sunday in a big church, College Park Church in Indianapolis. But there's nothing like being home with you to sing, to be in God's Word together with you. God, please help me. Hear all the prayers that Lee just offered up. Help. Help us as a people. Bring your divine blessings through Jesus Christ and your Holy Spirit now. In Jesus' name, amen. This is not meant to be political in any way. This is not about politics. But I I want to read this. Now, therefore, I, Joseph R. Biden, Jr., President of the United States of America, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution of the laws of the United States, do hereby proclaim June 2021 as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer pride month. I call upon all the achievements of the LGBTQ plus community to celebrate the great diversity of the American people, and to wave their flags of pride high. What is Pride Month? According to People magazine, Pride Month is an entire month dedicated to the uplifting of LGBTQ rights. Throughout the month of June, nationwide, they'll have traditionally with parades and protests and drag performances, live theater, memorial celebrations of life, for members of the community who have lost their lives for a- of HIV and AIDS. It's part political activism, part celebration of the LGBTQ community has achieved over the years. LGBTQ is an, ac- an acronym for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer, or, or some, they would say, questioning. These terms are used to describe a person's called sexual orientation or gender identity. And June, as you've just heard, was declared publicly and celebratory by our presidents and has been in some way by many of our presidents since Clinton. And even in our own culture, or even our own county, Genesee County is flying the LGBTQ flag during the month of June. 
Facebook reminds us every time we click on the app with a pride flag that flickers the top of our screen. Maybe you've seen it everywhere. You walk through Myers and you hear an announcement describing this month and the celebration of it. Businesses pressure their employees and businesses pressure other businesses to get in on the expression of pride and celebration of LGBTQ. Well, I feel very confident in my convictions in what this word says. I feel very inadequate to communicate on such a complex and emotional subject in a way that would do justice to God's call and His word and His grace and His holiness and His love and His coming judgment that will come on all people, including this preacher who's been called by God to say, Thus saith the Lord. And on vacation it hit me, And it wouldn't let me go. You need to address this. You need to speak on something that is so in your face and public in our culture. You need to speak as a minister of the gospel. As well as to help equip your own family, your own church. To think rightly as disciples of Jesus Christ in a world that we live in. You see, if we profess Christ in all other areas, but ignore speaking to what God has to say on the very things that the devil or the world is attacking God and His Word, we are not being faithful to Christ. I do believe that the world and the devil are attacking truth. God's truth as it pertains to marriage and sexuality and gender and identity, and the authority of this book, God's Word, the historic Christian doctrine, and the very nature of humanity that God made, made in the image of God. All of this impacts our view of God and His authority and His plan and what is truly good and beautiful and right. It has a destructive effect on people and society. I have in mind three categories of people as I address you and and preach God's word this morning. I I know that there are some here that are are conservative, Bible-believing Christians that are going to say amen to all these things without any qualification. I, I realize that. And I pray that I will help you think rightly about this in even some different ways as well as through the lenses of the gospel. I also believe that there's probably some in this room that I guess I'll call conflicted Bible-believing Christians. And what I mean by that, this is not meant to be in any negative way. I mean conflicted because they are influenced by the message of the world in regards to what is often referred to as tolerance or an understanding or an embracing this culture of LGBTQ, and conflicting in that there, there may be, I think it's very possible, if not likely, that there are some conflicted in this room by this very thought. You may have never expressed this to someone else, and, or you may have, and you struggle with same-sex attraction, 
or wondering if you are transgender. You might be conflicted because you're wrestling in your mind and you hear certain things and messages clearly in schools and in the world and in the media and you're conflicted because you want to honor God. But your mind and your body and your desires seem to be saying something maybe conflicting. There might be a third group of people here, and those are non-Christians that you're, you're visiting. And we're so glad you're here. And non-Christians might have just all different kinds of you. You might be saying, I take the conservative traditional approach, or I take the approach that is being now embraced by what President Biden shared in his proclamation or something in between. I, just, I have prayed, and we have prayed that God would would show his word to you because it matters and you'll see it as good and beautiful and true and will embrace it. I'm sure this subject is something that hits home to all of you in some way. Maybe it's a child, maybe it's a nephew, a neighbor, a co-worker, a cousin, a classmate, or yourself that is wrestling through this. I do not offer you... All of the answers to all your questions. In fact, if you have that as your expectation, you'll be disappointed. I hope, though, to equip you to think Christianly about this. I'm not going to hear answer questions of should you use the, the pronoun of people's preference in transgender people? Or should you attend same-sex marriages, so-called marriages? Or what if your job is at stake? Must you give in to a certain policy? How do you show care and love and acceptance to a person while not letting them think that God's word doesn't matter on sexuality? Oh, we must pray that God would give us grace and wisdom and discernment to love with God's word and truth and to discern each matter with a deep loyalty to Jesus Christ and a love for our neighbor, everyone, rest differently and have different beliefs than we do. I want to say this. God's word is always good. And it is good news. And so would you read with me. I'm going to read it. I ask that you'd follow along in Ephesians 5. I'm going to read the first 14 verses. This is a different kind of sermon. I'm going to refer to different parts throughout the sermon of these 14 verses. But in many other passages as well. But I want this to Feed our hearts. God's word feeds us this morning. Look at Ephesians 5, 1. Oh, may God make this true in us. May we obey this. May we love this. And may we believe this. This is what Paul writes to the Ephesian church. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or greed or covetousness must not even be named among you, Christians, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. 
For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon sons, the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partakers with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children in light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Friends, this is God's word. Amen. We live in Pride Month America. Not just one month, all the time. Not only is LGBTQ accepted, it is celebrated. Not only is it celebrated, but you are considered ignorant, irrational, you have a phobia, or maybe even immoral if you do not approve of these values. So how shall we then live as Christians? How do, we, how do we live as followers of Jesus, as broken people ourselves in a broken world? I want to say to you this morning simply, embrace these three things to the depths of your souls, Embrace them with all your heart, not just in word, but in heart and deed, in conviction. And oh, I pray that the Holy Spirit will help you do that. These three simple phrases represent three profound thing, convictions that must be in our lives as Christians. One is this, God, God's word matters. And two, God's son rescues. And three, God's call on your life, commissions. It sends you out on mission. So I want to just say those, I want to go through those three in just a few minutes. Number one, God's word matters when it comes down to this topic. Oh, friends, I say this, I think about this, I want, what do I want my children to enter into this world knowing and believing with all their heart? What do I want our congregation, representatives of Jesus Christ and a faith church, to believe as they face questions at work and at school and with family members and with your neighbors and whoever else, you need to know that God's word matters. Look at verse 6 of the passage I just read, Ephesians 5. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The words, all words apart from God are empty words. The words of any president, of any pastor, of any neighbor, of you, of anyone in this world, apart from anchor to this truth are empty words. God's word is absolute truth, and that must be our standard. It is, it is absolute in a way that you and I could rebel against God's word, absolutely. But we will not rebel against it forever. 
because someday we will be broken by our rebellion to a point where we will admit we were wrong. Psalm 18.30 says, This God, His way is perfect. The Word of God proves true. Proverbs 35, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. 1 Peter 1, All flesh are like grass, the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flowers fades, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And it's the Word the good news that was preached to us that changes us. What does God's word have to say about sexuality and LGBTQ? Well, I could say a lot, and I wish I could say we had, this would be a time for like a Sunday school or a discussion or a Wednesday night study where we can give and take questions and interact. But God's absolute truth says at least these things. First of all, God created Mankind, human beings, in his own image, male and female. Genesis 1, 27, 28, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them and God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. As one statement, Christian statement on sexuality says, Christian scripture teaches us that there is one God who alone is creator and the Lord of all. To him alone, every person, you, to, you belong, to God belongs your glad-hearted gratitude to God your maker, your heartfelt praise, and your total allegiance. This is not of knowing actually ourselves. You will never know yourself and what you were meant to be unless you submit to this vision of God. To forget your creator is actually to forget really ourselves and forsake ourselves truly and to not really know ourselves. We cannot know ourselves, our identity properly, unless we know our maker who has revealed himself to us with this book, God's word. Our true identity as male or female is given by God. It is not only foolish, but it is absolutely hopeless to try to make ourselves what God did not create us to be. We believe that God's design for God's for creation and His way of salvation serve always to bring us the greatest glory. God, the greatest glory, and us, the greatest good. We must... Believe that. We also believe that God brought male and female together in marriage to enjoy a one flesh sexual relationship. Genesis 2. He took from the rib of Adam and brought woman to him. And he said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is designed by God for one man and one woman in marriage, and it is to provide a covenantal sexual pro procreation, lifelong union of one man, one woman, as husband and wife, and is meant to signify a picture of Christ and his church. God has not designed marriage to be homosexual, polygamous, or polymorous, 
relationship in any kind, God's Word matters. And God's Word matters that any sexual expression outside of marriage is rebellion to God and is called sin. And all transgression to law, God's law is sin. In the law, the Ten Commandments, he said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. All fornication, which is any sin that is not any sexual practice outside of the marriage that is between one man and one woman, is a violation of God's holy law. And any sexual expression outside of marriage is sin. Paul said, it is God's will for your holiness, sanctification, that you abstain from sexual sexual immorality. And God has revealed in His Word that God's plan is for people to show chastity or purity or no sexual relationships outside of marriage and fidelity or faithfulness in marriage and any affections or desires or commitments never justify sexual intercourse before or outside of marriage, whether that be heterosexual marriage, men and women, or men and men and women with women, or any kind. God's word is very clear. This message and this point has not picking on the LGBTQ culture. We live in a world with sexual sinners. And the reality is all of us are part of that. Because Jesus said that it is sin if a man looks on a woman to lust after her. He has committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh, things are worse than we thought. Our hearts are worse than we thought. We're broken. Not one of us is straight in a certain sense when it comes down to sin. We have a mess. You see, another truth that matters is that man in pride rebels against God all the time ever since Genesis chapter 3. All it took was three chapters in the Bible and there we had it. And it's been, we have been a mess ever since. Man in pride has rebelled against God. We have forsaken God's will and design and are under his judgment. I just read that Romans or Ephesians 5 he says because of this the wrath of God is coming upon man that are believing the empty words. Don't believe it. Romans 1:18 says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Those that turn their face on what God's word has to say, his absolute truth that gets in our face and says, "You're not right. You must not follow your desires. You must submit to the maker." says that claiming to be wise, we become fools, have become fools, and we exchange the glory of God, the immortal God. We are made in His image and exchange them to resemble mortal man and we've worshipped other things. God gave us up to the lusts of our heart to desire after things that destroy us. You see, friends, God's word matters, and God's word says that sin distorts our sexual desires by directing them away from marriage and covenant 
and towards sexual immorality of all different kinds, whether it be through lust and pornography. It's a distortion that includes both heterosexual and homosexual immorality. And it is always sinful to approve of homosexual immorality or transgenderism that says what God made me is either biologically male or female. I can change based on my desire or what I feel is right. Such approval of that constitutes an essential departure from God faithfulness and being faithful to God's word. Rebellion is a pride that says, God, and your way is not as right or it's not right at all. You see, our culture, LGBTQ, are, those are examples of this rebellion, but we have many other rebellion examples. The passage I just read in Ephesians 5 says, all covetousness. All idolatry, all worshiping something other than Jesus Christ and God. I could sit here and read, and I don't think I need to do that for this church this morning. I could read passages in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20 and Romans 1 and in Corinthians about how God makes it very clear that homosexuality and all sexual immorality are sin against God. And those who persist in that in their own prideful persistence, will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. I don't believe I need to do that. But I do need to tell you, I need to remind you that God's word matters. And friends, God's word matters. And there will come a day, someday, when we will stand before the word that matters and will not pass away and we will be judged by the truth of God's word. Our God's word matters far more than Knowledge from a doctor matters. A doctor acts and treats a patient based on his knowledge that he has learned in school. He doesn't go by his feelings or his desires. He goes by what he knows scientifically and medically, and he will treat the patient. Whether it hurts their feelings or not, he will tell them the truth. And so it is with us much more. You cannot break God's law or you, I should say, you can break God's law, but you cannot do it forever without consequence. You can divide the law of gravity and jump out of a plane without a parachute. And you may enjoy some freedom for a while, but only a little while before you're broken by the defiance of that law, the law of gravity. Christian belief is that God's law is absolute. God's word is and as Paul said, let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So whatever we do, let us, let us live lives in your work, at school, in your home, with your family, your extended family, in your own life saying, okay, no matter what, I, I, ha I have some thinking to do, I need some praying to do, I, I need some counsel, but no matter what, I need to li live a life based on this conviction, God's word matters more than anything. And he has said some things that are pretty tough that stand in the face of what I hear out there. Oh God, help me to obey your word. The second thing I want you to see is not only does God's word matter, and it does infinitely, 
but God's Son rescues. God's Son rescues. You see, when we talk about some the things that I, I've been talking about, we're t- I'm talking about sin and sinning and sinners. I don't want you to be mistaken to think that I'm talking about there's a category of sinners out there that God is going to judge as though I'm excluded from the category that's going to be judged in my own natural state. Oh, no. God's Son rescues, and that means He needs to rescue each one of us. And if we have not been rescued already by Him, the good news is I am proclaiming a message that today you can receive and it can change your entire life. Ephesians 5.2 that we read, he says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. A fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Light in the Lord. There is another truth about sexuality and LGBTQ and of every other human being, including you and me, and that's this. The gospel of Jesus Christ The good news is the only hope to overcome our prideful rebellion, forgive our sins, and change our hearts. Christ Jesus has come into the world to save sinners, and through Christ's death and resurrection, forgiveness of our sins and eternal life are available to every person who repents of sin and trusts in Christ alone as Savior, Lord, and as their supreme treasure. You see, the Lord's arm is never short in caring for and rescuing people like you and me. There's a passage that forbids and says homosexuality and all sexual sinners and idolaters, all those who practice greed, all those who are drunkards, I think you could say addicts, those who are revilers and swindlers. He says they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's 1 Corinthians 6. But, Paul says, such were some of you. But you are washed. You who are formerly in that category of rebel, but you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the spirit of our God. Friends, brothers and sisters, Faith Church, God's Son rescues. Don't get over it. Let it change every aspect of you. We have not grown up until it touches every fiber of our soul, every spiritual cell of our body. God's Son rescued me if I'm a Christian. The point is vital in how we think about these issues. I will be a proud, obnoxious, judgmental person unless I, while standing on the truth of everything I said, God's word matters, believe that God's son rescues and has to rescue. And he, he rescued me. Because you see, the good news of God's word says some certain things like this. It says, it, it, it implies that the condition that I'm born in is actually worse than I thought. Some find themselves born or at least struggling with 
I've always had these sinful desires of same-sex attraction. I wonder if I'm a, a woman or I'm a man, even though I'm biologically not. I wonder, because I want to sexually explore here, I want to go after this, and this is contrary to what God's Word says. We all are born with desires that are wrong, inclinations that are broken. Christianity is not for good people. It is for people that are broken and not straight spiritually. And he comes in and he rescues. How did he do that? God in absolute holiness and justice in order to maintain his righteous holy standard and not make a mockery of it, sent the only person who could ever pay for our forgiveness and atone for our sins, and he sent his own son who is God. It's a mystery how God the Father and the God the Son Jesus is the same. They're different persons but one God. And he came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross and he rose from the dead and he gives perfect righteousness and forgiveness to everyone who doesn't work for it, but just gift, and he makes us new and we have a new identity. You see, our condition is far worse than we could ever thought. It rest, but God's grace rescues. God's grace is better than you could ever imagine. You are not too big of a sinner for God to forgive. Do you think you're that strong? That you could out-forgive God's, you could out-sin God's grace? No. You are here, and if you feel broken, you are in the type of category of people that God loves to rescue. If you admit that you need rescuing, and that He is the only one who can rescue you. The simple fact is that there is not one nanosecond in which God ever looked at you or me and said, I'm impressed. I need you. And yet in his love, he came and said, I will make you beautiful. Sin has marred our ability to show him glory. And God sent his son, who is the only one that would ever do it right, in order to heal us and make us new. The Lord Jesus died for all those who have been saved. And he made us with a new identity. Sexual. It is disciple of Jesus. In the image of God, but redeemed by Christ Jesus. And he's united me to him. Your identity can be or should be Christ. Even if you have desires that are contrary to God's word. I do. All of us do. We're all messed up with desires. And we need God's grace every day to help us. And the only way to come to God is through Jesus Christ, repenting and trusting that it could, could it be so true? It's just that simple that he would save me? A true Christian that does that, has come to him, never recovers from this, new, this conversion of identity. It changes us. That's why Apostle, the Apostle Paul, who wrote so much of the New Testament, 
was able to say, this is a trustworthy saying and full of acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Oh, I am. And God chose to use somebody so bad like me who killed Christians before I came to Jesus so that people would see me and say, there's an example of God's patience. There's an example of how God loves sinners. Oh, don't... Yes, if you're offended because I call you a sinner and bad, God, that God, that is the category of people that God gives grace to. Jesus did not come in order to save the righteous, but the unrighteous. God came the physician for those who are weak and needy. Let me, let's just hear these words. I just want to pour over, I just, I pray God's words for Christian and non-Christian would just fill your heart. This is, this is how we need to be armed as we face an LGBTQ pride world. Romans 5, 6. For while we were still weak, you feel weak spiritually or sexually or just spiritually in that you just have the wrong impulses. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Or verse 8, God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or verse 9, since you have been justified, made right with God by his blood, not your obedience or do-gooding, but by his blood dying on the cross for us. If that's how it happened, how much more will we be saved from the wrath that's coming? Thanks be to God, you were slaves to sin. But you have become obedient to God from the heart, to God's word, which you were committed. And you were set free from sin, and you have become slaves of righteousness. You see, when we were slaves to sin, we were free in regards to righteousness. But what was the fruit we get if we just live for our sins? Things that we are now ashamed. The end of those things are death. But now we've been set free by Jesus from sin and become slaves of God. And the fruit you get leads to sanctification or holiness. And the end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, friends, we're going to sing in just a few minutes. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. What riches of kindness he has lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. He stood neath the debt. We could never afford our sins. They are many. His mercy is more. Oh, dear friend, I hope you've come to Jesus for rescue. And if, Dear friend and si- brother and sister, Christian, do you remember that Jesus has rescued you from your sins and must humble you and gladden your heart as you seek to care for others? And friends, if you're conflicted because of your sin or your sinful desires, you qualify perfectly for His saving grace. The room is full of evil desire-filled people who have been saved and are still being changed by God's forgiving grace because God's Son rescues.
So they say, how, do you, how, do you, how should we then live in this world? God's, God's word matters. God's son rescues me. So I got to just view everybody, those different than me, those gay and lesbian and transgender and bisexual, those that identify as queer. I, I love them. God forgave me. I, I want to minister to them. I want to care for them. I want them to enjoy this God and this freedom forever. And that, that leads to the last point I want to say this, is God's call commissions. If God has rescued you, that means he called you. Ephesians 4 says, live worthy of that calling. I've been called as a pastor. I have a commission on my life. If you are a commissioned officer in the military, you've been a commissioned. You have orders and you must fulfill those orders and live that life. So as a Christian, he's called you and you have a commission, a mission. And that is to be an ambassadors of the truth that matters and the God who saves and rescues. And in this passage, though we don't have a lot of time, this passage says that you are to live out that commission by walking in love, by walking in holiness, by walking in truth and walking in gratitude among many things. We as Christians need to be the most loving people, even if we're called homophobes. And we're not. We, we care about the dignity of all people. We love them. We'd be the first to welcome them into our home and feed them and care for them and love them and, if, and give of ourselves to them. Be imitators of God as fellow children, and walk in love as Christ loved you and gave himself for you. No loving person says, yes, there's a cup of poison, enjoy it, because it would make you feel better and I don't want to hurt your feelings. No loving person does that. We have to care about the truth. Loving people care for God and Jesus, but we do it with grace and kindness and mercy. Oh, that we will be considered say that we know that there is absolute truth and it corrects our living and corrects our sexual ethic. But may they also say, but for some reason I like them because they're kind and even though they say they believe these things, they're the first to help and to bring a meal and to minister and to invite into their life 1 Corinthians 5 gives us the obligation that if you're a member of a church and you say you're a Christian and you, you, just, you live in sexual immorality, we need to confront you. And if you do not repent, remove you from the church. But it says you can't associate from the world that way, disassociate other than you just separate from the entire world. No, you're supposed to be on a mission to the world. Make it clear what God's word says and love them and be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. We are to walk in holiness. This passage says, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Oh, let us be those kinds of people. The passage I'm going to preach next Sunday is Picking up in James again, and he says, True religion that is undefiled before God, true faith is this. 
You care for the orphans and widows of the most helpless people in the world and keep yourself unstained from the world. Get in, roll up your sleeves and care. But, but care about the truth because that's the most loving thing. Our world needs holy, kind, truth-loving and gracious people. They need the church to stand on their convictions with love and care. Oh, may we do this. May we walk in truth. I, I read this in Proverbs 24, 24 this week, reminding us that we need to care about the truth. How we do it, we do it with grace. We speak the truth in love. Whoever says to the wicked, you're in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by the nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Oh, may God help us be on mission. May God help us to, to discern what that looks like on Monday morning in your job and at, with your friends and with your neighbors and with your family members. And with some, if you're in here in this church and you're saying, I'm struggling with this, you will find me, the elders, and the members of this church who will say, we love this book. We will not, we will not go away from what God's Word teaches on this, but we love you and we will care for you and we will help you. We will show you and point you to the merciful grace that God gives us. Friends, if you are more disgusted by homosexuality or transgender people than your own sin, and we should not be disgusted by them, we should be disgusted by all sin, you probably have a mistaken understanding of God's holiness in your own heart. And if you're more fearful to hurt feelings than you are of the horrific fate of the prideful defiance of God's word that's manifested in Pride Month, then you have a mistaken understanding of God's wrath upon sin. It's going to come. All sin including our pride, our covetousness, our greed, our worldliness. If it's harder for you to imagine loving people who embrace LGBTQ than other lost people, you probably have a mistaken understanding of God's love. And if you desire more to be accepted by your culture around you and to be thought of as broad-minded and gracious, if you care more about that than being loyal to God's holy law, you have, a probably, you have a mistaken understanding of God's character and holiness, and you won't be a help to the world. If you have a harder time imagining sexual sinners of the LGBTQ variety, if you have a hard time seeing them being saved than anyone else, you probably have a mistaken understanding of God, His grace, His mercy, and His promise in the gospel. May God help us to live with the conviction that God's word matters. God's son rescues. And God's call commissions. Let's pray. Father, as we finish this service,